Wow, thanks StreamYard for just taking your time there with that intro. Like, come on, what are you doing? We know you have bad processors, but like, come on. What's going on there? I'm sorry, I just wanted to diss StreamYard for a second because our audio our audio listeners are gonna have no idea what we're talking about, but like, damn. It, we, we, we just looked at our video intro, which we have pre-recorded, set to come up, and Chris clicked the go live button for YouTube, and it just was paused there for like a solid like, three seconds before our intro started playing. I'm like, wow. And there's no excuse because I'm plugged into Ethernet this time. Like, what are you doing, StreamYard? Get your shit together. Uh, yeah, Chris, how's it going? pop into some of their town halls if they do. Yeah, Sunday right. Might happen. Oh, like, do they do listen. those? They actually they do. do those? Oh, damn. Yeah, tune in from time to time. They actually have a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline that's going to kind of make live streaming even easier than they already make it. Is it going to involve actual good processors that don't cause delays? Well, they just got bought out by, like, a huge company. A huge okay. uh, right. multi-faceted um, right. tech company, kind of like a Yamaha. They do a little bit of everything type company. So big, big tech companies are usually better just for services and business sh- overall. Yeah, it should. There should be some good StreamYard stuff coming down the pipeline. We got some people in the chat of rolling in. Of course we do. Stranger Boy, always good to see you, man. Thanks for hanging out with us yet again. Appreciate your time. We got a fun show for you guys tonight. Yes, we Something do. Something a little casual, but there's going to be a lot to talk about. So if you like variety, this is probably the show for you. Yeah, definitely. We've been doing kind of these very formal lists the last couple of weeks, and those have been a lot of fun. But I honestly just wanted to get back to talking casually. I'm still stuck at home with COVID, and this is the only outlet that I have right now to express myself. So I'm going to go all out, as you guys are, are probably used to, because that's literally, I think, the only way that I, the, the, the only mode that I operate on. But as you guys can see from the title, <laughs> we did our top 10 favorite TV shows and movies of 2020. That's done. We're officially leaving the previous year behind and looking into the new year. And it's funnily enough, as we before we even get into this list, as we're speaking, that I actually got a chance to watch two Sundance movies. I'm really mad because I completely wasn't thinking and is like, oh, I'm probably going to be home for Sundance Film Festival, which is entirely virtual this year. And so I miss out on a lot of the big ones, but I was able to sneak in two movies to watch and they're already two of my favorite movies so far of the year uh, i still got a couple more to catch up on that have dropped in the first couple months of this year but yeah people we're talking about some of our most anticipated of 2021 what does that mean we're not just talking about movies we're talking about everything properties we're talking about movies we're talking about tv shows if there are any new books that are coming out chris if you have any video games that you want to j- just talk about briefly drop them right here any sure. music really this is just everything that we're kind of looking forward to in 2021 Fingers crossed what we're hoping is the back half of COVID finally bringing this whole nightmare of the last year to an end. So far, the year hasn't been off to a great start just with everything that's been going on. 2021 did not hold back, but we can hope for the rest of these 11 months. Chris, before we get into this list, just break down, like, what are your, what, what are you kind of hoping versus what are you anticipating for 2021? Just like for yourself and just in the world. In the world? In the world. Um, be, as, be, be as openly candid and honest as you can. Uh, I'm hoping for transparency to come back to the way that we live and, and operate as a society without getting any specific at all on that. I just think we could use a little accountability as just a global people. That is not a path I want to go down any further, but yeah, accountability and transparency would be nice to have again. Um, but just more fun stuff. Um, I'm hoping that we actually get some good rock records. I'm hoping that the Grammys doesn't recognize pop music that has, you know, more males attached to it than females is rock. And that'd be nice for the first time since like 1990. I don't care the gender. I just care about the music clearly not being rock, being pop, 
being watered down pop for that matter, which is even worse than like the mainstream artists who at least have like 60 writers on a track. So it's, you know, it's at least going to be of a standard, whether you like it or not. So I would like, I, I guess that does come back to transparency and accountability in art as well. I mean, I just want things to the bar needs to be raised on so many different fronts that's what i would like to have happen in 2021 it could be the year to do it which is why i bring that up god damn tell us how you really feel uh i'm just hoping for what i usually hope for which is just good entertaining stuff you know good art is only as good as its entertainment value and while i see a lot of kind of familiarity from a lot of these entries that we have here on this list i'm also seeing a lot of new and interesting stuff uh as we begin to break down because obviously we're again we have pretty much still do not have theaters as an outlet. You know, movies can yeah. still say that they're going to open in theaters, but we don't know. There have already been uh, certain delays. I already had to knock two movies off this list. Thankfully, it was two movies that I wasn't really looking forward to that much, but I am fully expecting a majority of these movies to drop directly to streaming services. Yeah, And we still have some from some studios that we enjoy very much overall. And like I said, we've got a lot of good, cool TV shows to look forward to. Just I'm, I'm very much anticipating what I... The same thing that I've anticipated for the last couple of years is what is it in the entertainment industry that's going to give me that's new? Just not just as far as content goes, but as far as specific modes of storytelling. Like I said, the thing that impressed me the most about 2020 was how many amazing limited series that we got that could have easily just as been movies, but just never would have been made as movies. That was the thing that I took away from it the most. And the fact that one of my and also with 2020 finally getting into kind of those uncomfortable areas that it seems like big budget fair has been so afraid to touch overall and i feel like a lot of properties really came to really came to play last year as far as that goes and i'm hoping to see that continued with this year with that being said i am still i do still have a lot of big budget fare and i do still want my big budget nostalgia trip entertainment you know just kind of like my mindless blockbusters you know i'm also looking forward to how the awards run is going to go this year because this is going to be the first time uh in over 100 years of recorded academy history if the academy awards still happens as they're expecting um, that where there will be films released theatrically, or in this case, just in the new model of on streaming, um, direct to streaming in early 2021 films that will be recognized for the Academy Awards in addition to the bulk of the, of 2020 filmography. So that, so movies like Malcolm and Marie, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, even if for whatever reason, the Academy, the animated Academy decides to recognize that those will all be recognized for this year's Academy Awards. So those are just a few of the things that I'm looking forward to just as far as shakeups in the entertainment industry go and kind of new things that are kind of shaking up the establishment that we've kind of come to know and love the last four years. But the only thing that we can expect is that for right now, theaters are not coming back. So get ready nah. for so get ready to chill back on that couch, subscribe to that HBO Max, and get um and get through. So that kind of brings me to the first topic of area of well, expertise. Hang on, hang on, because we have a lot of new faces in the chat right now. Okay, so I yeah, think we'd be remiss to not. Chats, first of why. all, Jay Manley always hanging out, always here. Appreciate you being here, man. Thank you yet again for spending some time with us, Mister Fervwell. I hope I said that right, but hello to you as well, my friend. Thanks for. Giving us some time on your Monday night. If you're snowed in, maybe you didn't have a choice, but we're glad you chose us out of all the places on YouTube. So appreciate that. We also have George Bowan. I hope I said Bo-son. that right. Bowan, yeah. And uh, it's up to you as well, my friend. George leaves the comment. He's looking forward to Batman 2022. The casting is so different. Like John Turing. Turturro. Sorry, I can't really read my webcams here, so I got to look to the tiny comment on the side. <laughs> Playing Falcone is a different decision. I would like to see what performance he gives. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, that's a little that movie's past, not coming out until 2022, so we will unfortunately... Past, uh, yeah. 2021, but like, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point this yeah. year on the channel, because yeah. we I both mean, love Batman, so uh, yeah. I mean, all, the I Batman was... that, all I ask is that you stick around with us, and uh, we will 
we'll definitely cover it in some way, shape, or form yeah, for sure. Worry. Thanks again H- for hanging with us tonight, guys. HBO Max will still be covered majorly on this video tonight because, again, the thing that I wanted yeah. to use to kick this off is I feel like the good places are, which is HBO Max, obviously. Kind of how Warner Brothers was able to take, quite frankly, the disastrous launch of their new app streaming service that they were putting out to compete directly with Disney Plus was and kind of the really disappointing slew of content of new original content that they put out at first. Almost nothing that they put out that was original and exclusive to HBO Max looked appealing at all. And the four movies that I watched from their streaming service were absolute garbage, but they obviously made waves in November of this past year by announcing that their full theatrical state would be opening simultaneously on HBO Max as with theaters. So, just a few of those films that I'm going to read through real quick, and then we can just kind of discuss and break down what the, which of the movies that we want. Obviously, again, we have a lot of properties to cover tonight, and I'm hoping yeah. to cover all of them. So just the ones. So The Little Things, starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto from director John Lee Hancock, was released this past Friday. Uh, it's already making waves for, again, being the first highest-grossing movie of 2021. Well, guess what? When it's like the only new thing to watch in theaters, and you know there are barely still people to going out to theaters, $4.8 is going to seem sure like sure like a lot of money but the <laughs> other movies that we've got coming out these will debut and have month-long th- on hbo max runs that will run simultaneously with theaters that's the word that i was looking forward to judas and the black messiah tom and jerry godzilla vs kong mortal Kombat, the conjuring the devil made me do it those who wish me dead in the Heights, space jam a new legacy the suicide squad james wan's malignant the many saints of newark dune cry rich King Richard, Cry Macho, and The Matrix 4. Chris, any of those titles that immediately stand out to you, ones that you're looking forward to more than others, and just others that you may want to know about as far as uh, you know, movies that you may not know that much about? No, nothing I want to know about. Last year was such a letdown that it's going to take a lot of good movies to get that taste out of my mouth, but Dune and The Matrix 4, of course. I mean, give those to me already, you know? They, we should have had them, but of course, COVID doesn't let you have anything nice, which is another thing I'm hoping for in 2021, is to getting back to having good things, because it was tough putting together my top 10 list of 2020, and I did see 34 movies, which is the same exact amount that I saw in 2019, so... You explain that to me. Well, I mean, I, I can't really explain anything. I, I saw, th- I saw, th- I lost 30 movies between 2019 and 2020. I went from 83 movies to 56. That should tell you something as far as yeah. the, availa- the yeah, overall you availability. Whether you the overall it or not. availability <laughs> for what, what we've got to work with. But yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, the only one, I mean, Judas and the Black Messiah was a movie that I was very much looking forward to already, but that was kind of when I was in that phase of, huh, how is this movie going to get released? But that one comes out in a month, and that one I was really happy to hear. I, that one already felt like it was going to go to HBO Max to begin with. But obviously, again, it already looks to be a big Oscar vehicle for Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya, who hopefully will win his much-deserved Oscar. Godzilla sure, and that one Kong. just looks like it's going to be well-made. So yeah. I, I love a good well-made film yeah, like first that. Time, so. First-time filmmaker definitely seems to have that kind of like raw feel and vibe that we've been so craving from our movies recently. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, obviously that just like is dumb, big-budget, monster I'm spectacle like, fair. Yeah. I'm not excited for that movie because although I think King Kong's been a little bit of a higher bar... Both of those franchises coming together, it's just like you're taking two bad monster franchises that once were titans of the industry, which makes it even more depressing and sad, and you're just hoping to salvage what's left of their shitty plot lines and culminate into this final showdown, and you have all these cameos from the other big bads of the the Godzilla universe, and I'm like... 
Okay, but you had those cameos in the last film, and was it good? Yeah. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, that movie wasn't good. Look, I- I'm just hoping that this movie can kind of get rid of, the- take the elements from the last Godzilla movie that worked, because there was a fair share that worked, and also bring in, and, and kind of strip away the ones that didn't work. Like, get rid of the self-seriousness of it. Get rid of, the, like, the, oh, we need to bring these monsters together to say the word. Get rid of all that shit. We just yeah. want to see two kaiju throw down and wreck shop, and from at least what this first trailer gave me, that's what I'm hoping to get, but I'm not having my expectations too high, because... I had an absolutely disastrous time watching. Chris, can we make this this occasion? Can you fill in the audience as to your experience watching God's 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters? Because you've told me this story, and I feel like it's too good of a story to not keep from the podcasting audience. Yeah, that movie was so bad it ruined a date. Like, <laughs> you know, like I think the whole point of going to see a film on a date is to have something to talk about afterwards. You know, you usually go see the movie first, maybe get some food afterwards, right? Pretty standard affair. Everyone's been there, done that. The problem is, I think the movie has a value that people overlook because most of the times you don't go and see a movie that bad. And even when it is a bad movie, <laughs> it, they're fun to talk about. But that's not even a fun, bad movie to talk about. So you're just sitting there awkwardly afterwards in the still, like, we really don't know too much about each other phase, and the icebreaker was supposed to be the movie, but the only ice that was broken was Godzilla smashing into those Antarctic uh, glaciers, which, to be honest, the environment's already helping break down. So it's like, you know, at that point, it was just an awkward night, and yeah, never carpool to first dates because you, you don't have... You know, it's like you want to get out of there as soon as you can. That's how I felt watching the film in the theaters, and then that's how I felt for the rest of the evening. So wow. we have uh, George. George is laughing. I promise you I can look back and laugh now, but in the moment when you live half an hour away from everything in the area that we live and you got to drive back a half hour after the... It was just not a... Yeah. Don't ever... Vet your movies, folks. That's what I would say. Vet your you, date you, night films. You've told me that story before, and that's already the greatest story that you've ever told since in the history of us being on air that's absolutely incredible just the, like the way so, you described that you that, that was a better movie than half the movies that we saw last year that, and that is true too and the sentiment i will add is th- the same amount of chemistry i had with the girl was in the movie aka none so it wasn't going anywhere to begin with but like that movie didn't help in the first place. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I saw that with so. my dad. I, I felt so bad because the only two movies that I saw in a theater with my dad last year were two of the worst movies that I saw. That being Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Rambo, Last Blood, which is the worst, which is my number one worst movie oh, of 2019. I didn't even watch that, yeah. Good, just don't. If you want to, like, let the Rambo franchise rest in your head on, like, a short enough pedestal that it was already is on, just don't even th- watch that movie. The, 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 four, the fourth most recent one uh, was entertaining enough, but, yeah. So it's just better to put that to bed. And then, of course, I'm looking forward to Dune. I am still very much looking forward to seeing what James Gunn's going to do with the new Suicide Squad. I'm also weirdly enough looking forward to Space Jam. I've got a really nostalgic, fond uh, place in my heart for that movie. And I'm going to be actually really excited to see what they do just as far as the new effects and kind of how they bring the Looney Tunes into the modern day. And I do think LeBron James can actually act. Um, I did want to give a shout out real quick to uh, a couple small ones that I don't think might will get the recognition they deserve. Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is the next film from Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario and Heller High Water and directed 2017's Wind River. Really underrated uh, filmmaker who more people should just watch his movies. Uh, really seems to have a good, firm grasp on like the modern-day Western. Um, uh, the Matrix 4, obviously, is a big one. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Malignant, which is James Wan's new upcoming movie that he is directing. His first movie that he that he's directing since 2018's Aquaman. Uh, there, it doesn't have a plot summary yet, but the cast includes Annabelle Wallace, Jake Abel, George Young, Maddie Hansen, 
uh, Jacqueline McKenzie and McKenna Grace, who has been who is a young child actress who's been making waves recently. And I definitely think that um, what's it called? I mean, if you like Juan, if you like good low budget horror movies, and he's definitely one to look out for as far as that goes. So real quick, before one... we jump into the next section, uh, the chat's kind of saying something. So uh, let's yes. see what they're talking about. Stranger Boy's got some things he's anticipating. Spider Man Three, Luca, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Army of the Dead, Willy's Wonderland, and <gasps> ECT. Willy's Wonderland. Yes. Oh, man. I'm actually glad that he reminded me of Army of the Dead because that's one I forgot to put on my list. But real quick, before we got into the next topic, which Jay's is Disney. Jay's looking forward to Godzilla vs. King Kong. Skull Island was a decent movie. That's the one I thing agree. I was going to add. That very early on, what was that? 2008, right? 2000. Uh, wait, no. Are you talking about the Jackson King Kong or Kong Skull Island? Skull, Kong Skull Island, Island was twenty. So was 2017. Oh, okay. I got them mixed up, but I, I do got to say though, that's why I think the Kong movies have been better overall. And I thought Skull Island gave me hope. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And yes, No Time to Die is way overdue. Yeah, Couldn't way overdue. More. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. I have a very I have a very specific spot saved for the right end of this video for the for that movie. Yeah. But so um oh but yeah, Kong Skull Island I actually did enjoy the more and more that I think about it. But, it's not phenomenal, but you know. Yeah. Can we, can we just take a quick sidebar and talk about kind of the maybe like strange year that Nicolas Cage is gonna have because Nicolas Cage. In 2021 already has had a movie debut at Sundance. He's going to be in Willy's Wonderland, which looks like B-movie heaven for anybody that likes just like schlocky movies with insane acting. And basically, Nicolas Cage has inherited a workshop, I think, of killer toys that come to life. And when they come to life, they start attacking a bunch of kids that try to get into the store, and Nicolas Cage has to fight them off. And of course, it's Nicolas Cage gloriness. That's just one movie that is going to be. Nicolas Cage is also going to star in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a movie whose plot summary is so specific <laughs> to Nicolas Cage that I have to read it just in order to make sure Please that do. it sounds... Uh, wow. correct. That, that is correct. Uh, directed by Tom Gormican, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent features uh, Nicolas Cage playing a fictionalized version of himself having to go to a birthday party of an obsessive fan who forces him to recreate his most famous characters and scenes for the birthday party. And of course, I believe it is when the birthday party is invaded by, uh, what's it called? By a drug lord. He, of course... Um, what's it called, has to become some version of himself in order to eventually save his wife and daughter. That could not be wow. more of a Nicolas Cage movie if if it tried. Like, that is ridiculous overall. Like, you, you know, know how many reactions to those two movies that I listen to? Like, the Nicolas Cage subgenre that's going to hit us in 2021. I love the point in his career that he's at where he's clearly made his money. He doesn't need to take any roles at all anymore to keep the mansions going. He could just do what makes him happy. And if this is he it, wants. he's a just a brilliantly complex human being. I, I'm all for it, to be honest with you. I will check out any weird thing Nicolas Cage is in, because I, I oh, honestly man. liked him before he was doing this weird type of kick that he's on. I never understood the yeah. hate. Same with Nickelback. Same with Imagine Dragons. I'll never give you Nickel I, I still don't hate. understand why people started. I, here's a, I can actually understand Imagine Dragons only because Imagine Dragons <laughs> sounds to me similar enough to Nickelback that it's almost like people just kind of started associating them to go in that direction before they even really had a chance. You know, like they were just starting to become popular and people just became sick of them. Like it's, it's like it's like the post Nickelback internet hatred, but but like before they really even had a chance to have a heyday. I call you know? that the Twitter gaslight. I, I refuse that, that, to believe it. That's a great it. Have, term for it. I have many points against that, but I can see how you would... I totally understand how people see that, though, and it's that yeah. 
Twitter gaslight. Oh, Stranger Boy, yes. Halloween, Halloween kills, kills for yes. sure. We we're going to we get there, get I'm that. sure. So, yeah. Yes. So, right now, we'll, I'll just run through the Disney Fox release schedule that I have right here. These are all sure. the releases that we have that are set to debut between Disney, Fox, Fox Searchlight, um, or the previous Searchlight Pictures, whatever Disney's calling it now. We've got Raya and the Last Dragon, the Disney original animated movie that will be dropping direct to Disney Plus, Black Widow, Free Guy, which is the uh, acquired Fox movie that stars Ryan Reynolds as the guy who finds out that he's living in a video game from director Sean Lee. That movie looks like a lot of fun. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the Nighthouse, an upcoming horror movie from Fox. Spider-Man, I have an entitled Homesick because that's a fan title and it's a pretty cool title as far as what the untitled Spider-Man 3 is going to be. Luca, which is the next Pixar movie. The Kingsman, the Kingsman prequel, which that's another one that's been delayed so many times I've kind of lost track. And Kanto, which is another Disney original animated movie from the directors of Zootopia. Antlers, a upcoming horror movie from director Scott Cooper, who previously directed... Um, uh, oh my god, Crazy Heart and um, Out of the Furnace uh, The Eternals Nightmare Alley, which is Guillermo del Toro's new upcoming movie that was shot in Buffalo, New York that is going to be in his next Oscar contender starring Bradley Cooper, Cape Blanchett and I and Willem Dafoe and a bunch of other people and ending it is uh, Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story those are all either movies that were already supposed to come out this year or largely delays because yeah just the theatrical window we've pretty much talked about each and every one of these movies there's not too much to talk about because a lot of the animated ones to me we, I really don't know that much about until um you know they actually get released and considering that the majority of these are just Marvel and superheroes like again we're, well, we're recapping on, a Marvel show I'm, every week I'm, I'm particularly excited to see what happens with West Side Story. I don't have high expectations for it, but I really love that original film, and I've seen the play many times growing up. Like, I was, I, I still, every summer, when we're in normal times, go to a Shakespeare festival. I very much so enjoy, like, live theater, so I've seen a lot of different productions. Actually just watched 42nd Street for the first time a few nights ago and was blown away by it. So... I trust Spielberg, but I'm curious to see what he does with a musical. So, we'll see. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, Spielberg obviously has been a, in a, that really interesting kind of point in his career where, unfortunately, he's kind of delved into, like, easy territory. You know, easy Oscar bait movies, easy biopics, easy historical uh, dramas. Again, it's really sad when the most interesting movie he's made this past decade is Bridge of Spies and Lincoln. It's really, really sad, especially coming from the guy that helped revolutionize cinema with movies like Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind and, obviously, E.T. and then revolutionized special effects in the 90s with Jurassic Park. But I'm hoping the West Side Story can at least bring us back the elements, the better elements of Spielberg filmmaking i believe this is the first time he's covered a musical i yeah, think i, I think it i don't is know too. what's that i said i think it is too i don't know how much he knows about music i don't know how inclined he is in regards to that part of his artistic brain so that's why i'm curious about it because he's obviously when he's on there's no one quite like him obviously. there's only a few but we'll see i mean i do respect yeah. him still trying uncharted territory this late into his career like I feel like Ready Player One was also like a bit of him like really like hey how much further can I push this sci-fi thing and, and so I do respect that and you're not gonna obviously hit it out of the park all the time when you're doing that but this is a little right. safer of a bet so I feel like it's more about who he brings on you know choreography wise um, definitely for like the theater production translating to film wise so we'll see how he this is really gonna be a test of his like directing can he yeah, manage definitely. this new territory the 
the thing that I'll say to this is that when it comes to the two films that Spielberg has says directly influenced him when it came to wanting to make movies, he has said that it is Lawrence of Arabia and West Side Story. So Very definitely cool, going to give it that. his all if, if this is a remake of uh, if he's remaking the movie that he helped uh, to define him. Then again, as far as Marvel goes, again, I want to I want to I, I say that Eternals is the one that I'm looking forward to the most because that, again, seems to be the most out there that they've done as far as that goes. I was really mm-hmm. impressed with impressed with what Chloe Zhao did. But No Man Land, obviously, we know. You know, there's only so much that you can actually apply when it comes to being a director to a Marvel movie, but still, that one looks to be the most different from them. For and me, then, it's Shang-Chi, man. I think that's right. going to be really cool. Well, that's because that's got your guy in it. It's got my guy, Simu Lee. It's got your in guy. It. But aside from that, I mean, look how Marvel took Iron Man, and it was a pretty much a, a C-lister in their right. their sales and their their universe, and he became like the guy of the universe. Look, we we, we so, know what Marvel capable what exactly. Marvel's capable of, and we know the better parts of their filmography. So like we know what to look forward to. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Destin Daniel Cretton, the director of that movie, who I feel like has been trying to like make his indie career go- been going for like the last couple of years, and really hasn't had that much success with it. Directing some really strange movies that feel like they should have been big, but then just weren't. So for him finally getting a Marvel movie, props to him. Obviously, again, all their original movies. I'm always I'll. I'll Always watch anything animated from Disney. Always, and their and their animated slate this year looks to be again just to, hopefully it'll hold up to the caliber because again with just two movies Disney ran animation last year and Soul was again it was our both our collective favorite yeah. movie of last year so we'll see if they can continue that track record. Um, oh, and of course, obviously, shout out to my guy Guillermo del Toro with uh, Nightmare Alley. I wasn't the biggest fan of Shape of Water, but I'm always interested interested to see a new film from him. Mortal Kombat, we will get to. Just wanted to briefly touch on Sony. Sony, I only have two big ones written down this year because I still consider. Spider-Man in the Marvel camp, even though that's kind of their big hedge fund that they're putting behind. They've got Ghostbusters Afterlife, which again is a movie that I will watch because just again, actually hoping to continue yeah. and do right by that franchise where the freaking last one left off. Um, yeah, and I mean, I really love the first two, I would say, a lot. And so that that reboot in 2016 just let's correct no. the ship, you know. Let's let's correct let's the ship. And it's, it's, and it's staying in the family too. Obviously, Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman, who's, who's obviously has grown into an incredible director of his own. Directed some of my favorite movies of the back half of the 2000s. Thank you for smoking Juno and Up in the Air, and has really kind of made a name for himself in the indie cinema world. This will be interesting as his first kind of big budget movie, and continuing with his dad uh, picking up. And then the other one that I've written down is Venom. Let there be carnage. Venom is a movie that I was not excited for, nor expected. Any anything from, and I'm not going to say that the movie itself impressed me that much, but the following that that movie got and the amount of money that it made surprises me still, especially given because it's like that movie got a following that I'm like, okay, this has to be more than just like a fervent comic following because Venom was always kind of that weird, like kind of cultish character for lack of a better word. And so I never expected it to be anything anywhere remotely successful, especially given kind of the hampering that was put on director Ruben Fleischer that I feel really prevented him from making a great movie. This is, of course, the guy who gave us Zombieland. But Andy Serkis is directing this one. In addition in, in, in addition to, I believe he is playing a character in the movie. And Andy Serkis, the only movie that I know that he's directed is the Netflix remake of, is the Netflix Jungle Book movie that came out a couple years after the John Favreau directed one. And I'm just hoping that this movie is as insane as Andy Serkis is promising to get it. Because Woody Harrelson as Carnage was making me laugh in the post credit scene of that Venom movie. But under Andy Serkis' direction, if Andy Serkis brings half the energy that he does sure. to his acting that he will to the director's chair, like, I don't know. I'm still kind of hoping that like this ends up being good if we do end up getting it at all. Because unfortunately, Sony is the only studio that doesn't have a streaming service to fall back on, if need be. So Yeah, I think it could be good, though. 
you know, I totally forgot that end credit scene. It's been so long and I only saw the movie once, but my general sentiment coming out of that theater was going in, not expecting much and getting so much more than I felt I paid for. It's rare when you spend money on a formulaic style film and come out feeling like, wow, like this was more than just a fun night with my friends. Like I really actually enjoyed that movie. And I think it's because uh, Tom Hardy locked into the essence of Venom, at least who I've read on the pages and who I've seen in the video games. And he brought him to life in like a really human way, which is silly to say because the character Venom, I mean, you know, to explain that, just, you know, catch up. You know, you've missed a lot. But I, I do think it's his performance that was so charming. And also it just being a fun movie, like it was fun. It didn't, it did take itself seriously, but... It also didn't, and that's always a weird line to tread because you know that they were trying to compete with Marvel and they were doing everything that they possibly could to make a film that would rival the Marvel films. It fell a little short, but it still had like so much going for it that I think that's why there's such a huge fan base for it. I'm not like a stan for that movie, but I did enjoy it, and I am excited for Carnage. Like I'm not yeah. writing it off by any means. Like I think a lot of people are. So. Yeah, definitely. It's it's really really funny that um. Just when I watched that movie and some some of the things that Tom Hardy was doing and some of the lines he was saying, and I'm just like, why is this guy not like one of the biggest stars who have come out of this past decade? Because Tom Hardy kind of fell into that weird like kind of one for them and five for me spot, and he just makes some interesting acting choices just from an acting standpoint. All the other things in that movie, I'm like, this has all the pieces to be a really, really cool movie. But like just th then, then, then certain lines would happen and certain dumb things would happen in that movie. And also that movie right. was weirdly felt way too short. There felt like a solid 20 minutes that was missing yeah. from that movie. But it was, but, but it, it worked, you know? I think it did work for the time. And uh, hey, look, it got it got the sequel. So we'll see yes. what they do with it. Uh, Death on the Nile, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch the last one. I have no interest in watching that movie because just what anything is that? from I'm not Kenneth Branagh. That. That's the Hercule Poirot continuation. Uh, the, the movie, it was a Kenneth Branagh remade Murder on the Orient Express a couple years ago. Um, it had a gigantic cast. I'm not bothering to remember all the names. But just to put this in perspective with Kenneth Branagh's last movie, Kenneth Branagh as a director gave us the 20, gave us the 90s Frankenstein movie, which sucked. Uh, he of the Disney live action adaptations, he directed Cinderella. He directed the first Thor movie, and of course, he directed everyone's favorite Disney Plus drop of last year, Artemis Fowl, which was supposed to be the kickoff of a latest franchise. So mm, okay. he's hit or miss as a filmmaker, to say the least. And you actually just saw him, his latest acting uh, talent, the other day as his portrayal, his brilliant portrayal of Andre Seder in Tenet. But oh, yeah, okay. Bra cool. Braun is about as hit or miss as a director as he is as an actor. And oh man, some of the movies so, that I feel like I like the first Thor, but yeah, I like the first Thor. But what is Death of the Nile? What is Death on the Nile then? What's the it's premise another, of that? It's, it's, it's like a murder mystery. Do you know the Hercule Poirot books? No, I'm, the, I'm um, not familiar with those. To be honest with the, you, the, the Agatha Christie—they're basically mysteries. It's okay. basically like he's basically like another version of Sherlock Holmes, but his oh, movies okay. always have like a, a but his movies always have like a big colorful cast of characters in them. Like they've gotcha. been adapted a bunch of times. Murder in the Orient Express was adapted as like a movie back in the I know back Agatha in the Christie, 70s. but. But I'm not familiar with their work. I just know yeah, the name, so. Hercule Poirot. That's the character's name. Is the most famous of her of her creations oh, okay. of her characters. Yeah, yeah, Jay, that's not my bag for the most part. But uh, yeah. hey, I hope it's good and I hope you enjoy it. Unfortunately, yeah. No, now I, I do. I did want to give a quick shout out, even though again we were unfortunately like the many other things that Corona took away from us. Corona took away our A24 movies for the majority of 2020. They were able to squeeze out two movies, one of which was an Apple TV Plus drop, and one of which. 
uh, was only released very limitedly. Unfortunately, I try I was able to see it. Chris was unable to. That being Minari. However, Minari will go wide for uh, renting purposes in February. So, Chris, you'll be able nice. to at least watch it then. But I wanted to give a quick shout out to the other movies that are supposedly announced for this year. Uh, the two big ones that were supposed to come out last year that were unfortunately delayed. The one being Zola, which is directed by first-time filmmaker Janiska Bravo. Uh, it is based off of the real-life. Um, story. Uh, it's based on the infamous 148 t tweet Twitter thread in which Zola, um, the, who is the main uh, character, meets a sex worker named Stefani at a restaurant where they waitress and they immediately bond over pole dancing. And after they exchange numbers, they go on a cross-country road trip, which apparently turned into the craziest, most unexpected trip of her life. It stars Taylor Page as Zola and Riley Keogh as Stefani. And that one, again, it just looked to be continuing kind of the A24 music video-esque look that they've kind of had going for them for the last couple and just continuing with their insane... Um, you know, just ideas that they'll go for. And then the other big one being The Green Knight, uh, David Lowry's next movie that he was going to direct for them, which is basically his take on the Arthurian legend, um, this time telling from the perspective of Sir Gawain, uh, King Arthur's nephew, who would be portrayed in the movie by Dev Patel, with a cast that included Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris, Kate Dickey, Barry Keegan, and Ralph Innocent as the titular Green Knight. Uh, David Lowry has kind of been like one of those like really lower down, like kind of under the radar filmmakers for uh, recently. But considering the fact that he went from making a ghost story for A24 to Pete's Dragon for Disney, the guy's kind of got it set as far as where his career should be. And The Green Knight looked like one of the more interesting movies to come out from A24. Yeah, I'm really um, excited for, for that last film. Year. Uh, they so actually, if it um, actually comes, I'll be really happy to see it. A24 actually released last year in anticipation of the film actually coming out, their sort of, uh, you know, merchandise line, and they released a role-playing tabletop system, and, you know, D&D, &D, Cyberpunk, those are all tabletop systems around the Green Knight mythos, so that got me even more interested than I already was, and it kind of seems like these two A24 films, both Zola and Green Knight, are just going to be more of what A24 gives me, which is not playing into any trends, just producing stories that they genuinely like and care about and so what they're completely different that's what you get with a24 and i missed having that in my life last year i got on the rocks which was very close to the belt a nice heartwarming story of course but i feel like you could have gotten that type of film from any other studio of course it had the a24 slight touch but these are the a24 films on paper at least that get my uh you know they get a rise out of me so Yes, Bro, uh, we'll pretty much echoing the sentiment. <laughs> well, echoing the sentiments there completely again. These two were both on my most anticipated for last year. They're still on my most anticipated of this year if they actually come out. So, like everything else this year, we'll see. We'll see if any of these make it to Apple TV Plus or if A24 just dumped them. I know that St. Maud, which was the horror movie that was supposed to come out in yeah. April last year, that was one of the first couple delayed, they made a deal with that. So, that will be leaked. That will be going to crackle, I believe, in the next couple of weeks. It's in theaters right now, overseas, and somewhere, I, I think, uh, in, in the U.S. that's not anywhere else in New York. So, so we will got, definitely be watching that one soon. So I got a question for you. Do you okay, have a crackle have account, answer. or do we have to like make a seven-day trial I'll get crackle? you a copy. I, I will find a copy once it is available, right, is the cool. answer Thank to you. that question. I was really Don't excited worry. for I, that one. I will make sure. Yeah, that was one of the ones that I was really looking forward to, because again, yeah. it was just completely unknown. Uh, you know, I'm always looking forward to horror movies from them, even though the majority of them have, dis have disappointed me, and that one, again, looked like just more just creepy, crazy stuff, and like very, very Exorcist-like, so yeah. definitely I'm looking forward to that. I just also wanted to give a quick shout-out to some of the other movies that they have listed Please. on their Wikipedia profile. Hopefully, we'll 
they will come out. False Positive, which will be distributed by Hulu. That'll be coming out in mid-2021, so that's another one we have to look forward to. After Yang, Come On, Come On, The Humans, Red, White, and Water, The Souvenir Part 2, and The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is the next film from the Coen brothers. So we'll see if any of those movies actually manage to make it out. What's so, that one about? Unfor- that kind of gets me a little uh, excited. The Coen brothers film. Mac- uh, Macbeth. Oh, it's just a remake of uh, Macbeth. It's oh, their okay. it's their take it's not on some it. Play. Starring okay. Denzel Washington. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. So way, m- moving on, I'm just gonna run through a couple of these next ones because I do want to talk about TV a lot. Uh, so the next one we have is Universal, Blumhouse, and Focus. So th- they're kind of all under the Universal banner. The big ones that I have: Nobody, which is the Bob Odenkirk, John Wick s looking movie; Fast Nine, The Forever Purge. They're still making Purge movies. Old, which is M Night Shyamalan's next movie. We'll see what that one's about. I know that one's based off a graphic novel. The Candyman remake slash reimagining Halloween kills Edgar Wright's new horror movie Last Night in Soho which is still on my most anticipated of the year and last but not least Paul Schrader making his return to the camera after 2018's first reform that being a movie called The Card Counter which sees Oscar Isaac as a guy who is again on the run from gambling debt which just sounds incredible because Paul Schrader um, what's it called Paul, Paul Schrader directed one of my favorite movies of 2018, First Reformed. He wrote Taxi Driver. The man is a highly problematic human being. He has put out some of the most fascinating, if not extremely problematic, tweets and Facebook posts that I've right. ever seen in my life. But the man is still an incredible filmmaker and still pleasure. somehow has a job in Hollywood. Yeah. So. No, I'm excited for that one. I'm really excited for this Bob Odenkirk film. That yes. seems like it's just going to be... Because I think he's an amazing actor. You know, he's obviously proven with Breaking Bad. He's more than just a comedian. And he started out in Sketch, which I think Sketch actors who come from Sketch first automatically get a bad rep for whatever reason. And so his range that he's been able to give us over the years, this just seems like the natural next progression. Whoever his agent is, or if it's him choosing what parts he can take, I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be good. And I can't wait to see and then have have them prove me right and i hope they prove me right because i'm very excited about that one and then the last thing about everything you just read off what that tells me is that 2020 was going to be a really good year for horror i think they pulled those films out and just let the election be the horror film of 2020 and now yeah, and 2021 the tw- and the horror films we did get sucked yeah it seems like 2021 is going to be an amazing year for horror at least on paper they can they can on prove paper. us wrong we'll see, we'll see. they can prove we us shall wrong see. But, Remember, we got Fantasy Island and The Invisible Man both just in February. That was just right. the tip of the iceberg for Blumhouse. One of those was on our best of the year, and one of those was on our worst of the of the year. That's so true. that should tell you something just as far as Blumhouse's track record goes. But yeah, um, yeah, the, the the one that stands out to me the most from those movies, Fast and Furious, obviously, because I'll be there forever. Ooh. They delayed obviously Jurassic World. They delayed Jurassic World um, to next year, and then last night in Soho because Edgar Wright. Any that's another one again. That's just for, based on the name alone. If he puts out a movie in that year, then I. We'll watch it. And that one looking to be a period piece starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomas and McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit. Sign Ooh, me right up. I don't even care. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. real quick, Goth- Jurassic and- World's 2022 now. Jurassic World has been delayed to 2022 along with okay. the Batman and a couple of others, uh, along with uh, Morbius and um, the Uncharted still being delayed off the top of my head. We're never getting that movie. Um, yeah, I don't care so- what top positive so you know- Hall. I don't care what. Just so you know about Uncharted, like it's already been years since that game has been out of the zeitgeist. When they greenlit it and did it, it was perfect because the third and final chapter had come out. It was one of the highest selling games of last decade. But it's it's the video game industry moves faster, arguably, than music and film combined. And it's yeah. been a lot of time. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, it's when, either going to revive well, well, or... Just, just refresh my memory. When did Chapter 3 of Uncharted actually come out? Do you remember? I think it was like 2016. I, oh, I can look God. it. I can look it up oh, right now, God. but it's been almost like eight. It's been almost six years. Jesus Christ! 
Okay, moving on to Paramount, uh, the studio that I still am amazed is just making money. They, they, when I read off some of the movies that they have coming out, you are gonna, it is gonna, you are gonna be like, oh yeah, because they have all the action movies that I hate, which makes sense because they have, as of right now, just in this year alone, supposedly, they have a Top Gun movie, a Mission Impossible movie, and a Quiet Place movie coming out. That is where all their money is going because they haven't made a Transformer movie in three years. Yeah, and uh, what's it called? And there are a couple of other animated fair. I also just wanted to give a shout out to the United States versus Billy Holiday. Do you know anything about that? No, sounds really cool. Okay. I like Billy Holiday a lot. O- only because like that that was a movie I know it got um I I it's it's available to rent on it's actually on Hulu right now, but I heard it was getting really bad reviews. It was from Lee Daniels, the director who did Precious. Mm. And so it's based off of the book Chasing the Screen, the first and last days of the war on drugs by Joanna Hari and Andra Day stars in the lead. Um What's it called? So I don't remember what specific part of this of her life this is, but I figured that that would be something that oh, you'd so be. Oh, so she was probably really a part into. of like the early jazz heroin sort of usage that yes, a lot of that's them. What, that that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know yep. if it got bad reviews. That normally doesn't deter me, but it doesn't get me excited to watch it either. Yeah. We'll see if it makes the list. She's well, a phenomenal singer, and you know. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll it's see. available on Hulu, so now? at the very least, you can watch that. Yeah, right now. Okay. It is available on Hulu. So you that that might be something to go watch, but yeah. So we have again delayed from last year and supposedly still coming out this year. Top Gun Maverick, A Quiet Place Two, and the Untitled Mission Impossible Seven. That's right, your boy Cruise. We've got a whole month planned for it, depending on if the movie actually comes out. I still don't know. True. Although it would be just amazing. How amazing would it be if in the year 2021 we got a Fast and Furious movie on the Peacock, and then we got a Mission Impossible movie on the upcoming Paramount Plus? Because even Paramount is trying to get into. I know. No, I saw game. that. This is the world we live in right now, people. We're back to the fifty-dollar Just... cable bill, by the way. And I saw. We, oh, 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 we we've been there. Yeah. What are you talking about? Where we're at? We've been there. They they launched that during football and it was literally the worst commercial ever it was just stills of different properties across all decades and we're like what are they what are they trying what, what, what do they have like what what are, what properties do they have that they can put on there in order to classic that service? for sure they have you okay. know their old films um which right, i'm not dissing but- or anything but like Right, but the problem is most of those movies were already public domain. So, and most of those movies you could already get on the Criterion Channel. So, right, I have no like, idea to be honest well, with you. What do they have apparently besides the Mission have, Impossible and the Transformers movies? Yeah, apparently they have those. Which, hey, look, seven day trials are going to be the new wave. Multiple yeah, emails, seriously. fake emails, and just like getting. I mean, it done. I've already got just, I've already got five emails, so I'm good that as far <laughs> as that goes. But yeah, Paramount not looking too good. Once once again, depending on like the the couple of ten pole action movies that they have, a, a lot of which seem to start. Tom Cruise, but um, yeah. So if, if you don't have anything else to add, there we can move on. Like yeah, I, I don't really. On, I, I mean, I'm not a fan. Really. You're you're a Top Gun fan. I, Top Gun, I of enjoy all the Mission Impossible movies. I'll just say um, this last sentiment. I'm not thrilled about Top Gun. I don't think everything needs a remake. So I'm gonna try my best to not go in with a negative attitude. But they're really gonna have to work hard to wow me because yeah. like the first film is so good. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Lionsgate, we already talked about Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. The only other thing that I have on there is Spiral from the Book of Saw. We'll see if that 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 one, again, I could have sworn that was universal, but I guess not. So the only thing that I have to say is we'll see if that does for the Saw franchise what Candyman will most likely do for the um, you know, for Candyman, the Candyman franchise. About. New Saw, right. not uh, so Saw, much. Spir- Spiral, the only thing that I saw is I'm like, oh, cool, Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are in a Saw movie. Cool. Like, I, I don't care. Like, the first one is good. I only saw the first two. I have no desire to get sure. into the rest of that yeah, franchise. Yeah, totally. So... 
Yeah. At least there's a bar uh, there, on. some solid talent. But at least there is uh, Netflix. Netflix is just streaming in general. We've got a couple of good ones, so I'm just gonna kind of use this to cover Netflix, Netflix, Amazon, films? and Apple TV Plus. No, they, these are the only the ones that I'm looking <laughs> forward know, to. Fuck kidding. that. Fuck all the rest of like I, I don't care about to all the boys I loved three thousand or whatever or the kissing booth thirty. I don't give a shit about any of those movies. Right. I was never gonna watch them to begin with. The only thing I really care about as far as that goes, and we'll get to this when we get to TV, is on my block is coming back for a fourth and final season, and that just makes me beyond happy. So for Netflix. I plan to cover each and every one of these movies if we get a chance. We've got Malcolm and Marie, which we'll be covering next week because that drops this coming Friday on Netflix. Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's new movie, Deep Water, which is the Adrian Lynn movie starring Ben Affleck and is at the time uh, fling uh, Anna de Armas. They are now, of course, really broken up. The Harder They Fall, which is an upcoming Western with an all-star cast. Blonde, which is the fictionalized uh, take on Marilyn Monroe's story uh, from the assassination of Jesse James director Andrew Dominic. Don't Look Up, which is Adam McKay's new parody comedy starring Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, and many, many, many other people. And the untitled Paul Thomas Andrew film, which fingers crossed we will actually be getting this year. That movie was supposed to come out last year. It did not. So yeah, those are just some of the titles we've got. I'm looking forward to every one of those in some different way or another. It's good to see we can still get some good movies from Netflix. Apple TV Plus, I want to give a quick shout out as well. Uh, we've got the Russo Brothers next movie coming out there. Uh, it'll be debuting first in theaters at the end of February, and then it'll be opening wide on Apple in March, starring Tom Holland. Um, that one looks really good. And then the big Sundance hit, that being Coda, was just recently acquired by Apple in the newest, biggest deal that came out of Sundance last year, of course, and famously being Palm Springs. So we'll be getting to talk about that one later on sometime in the year. And then on Amazon, the only big one that I have written down right now is coming to America. Uh, starring uh, from Hustle and Flow, and Dolomite is my name director, uh, Craig Brewer, which will, of course, see the return of Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and a majority of the other cast, as well as a couple of new cast members. Again, I love coming to America, so I'll watch this one. The trailer didn't have me that stoked for it, but nah. it looks like it, it'll be a lot of fun. So any of those titles um, jump out at you? Yeah, the trailer looked a little weak, but like I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, it's Eddie Murphy, so... You know, you got to expect some fun out of it. And I will say this, Apple TV Plus has not let me down at all yet. I all haven't right. watched that much, but what I've watched, I've actually not only enjoyed, I've loved. So I, I am excited about the premises of those two films and the fact that Apple seems to be curating more carefully than other platforms. Uh, you know, point in case, you named all those Netflix movies and those are out of the ones that you thought were better than like the 2,000 films that they dropped. And to be honest with you, the only thing I, I could think about is, well, hopefully Netflix doesn't fuck it up. Or hopefully they're yeah. not just like, you know, schlocky movies because Netflix just will buy anything and everything. So, yeah, yeah, that's about it, really. I can't those say are those, more. Those are finely curated movies from artists that, for the most part, either were new enough to have promise or from artists that I trust. And the only reason why I included Army of the Dead in there is because Zack Snyder was directing a mindless um, heist movie amidst this, the backdrop of a zombie outbreak. Like, that's, Which that's about fun. as safe as you could possibly get for Snyder. Now, the, the Snyder cut bullshit that we're going to have to cover in a month and a half, notwithstanding... Um, but, oh, that's right. That's right. That's what it was. Paramount Plus is replacing CBS All Access, which I mean, do you know anybody that were watching the new Star Trek shows or any of the shit that was on CBS All Access? Like, were, were, were your parents into that? Or? No, I don't even know people who got it for the Twilight Zone with Jordan Peele, which wow. was like a big, Yeah, which, right? wow. Remember when you called me and were asking me about that and we had like an hour-long discussion about that while I was up at school and look where that went. And I still really want to watch it. It's just I refuse to just 
have 90 streaming services. Like, I just can't afford that, man. I'm a college yeah. kid. It's like, okay. So, no one can. You know? No one can. Yeah. There were only three other movies that I wanted to give a quick shout out to before we moved on to TV because we, uh, we're, we're somehow, we're going to fit all of this into TV, um, which is <laughs> Gucci, which is Ridley Scott's second movie that he's got coming out. Um, after The Last Duel, we were kind of, a lot of people were kind of theorizing whether The Last Duel was going to be Ridley Scott's. Uh, Last movie, but apparently he's doing Gucci with Lady Gaga, so we'll see how that uh, goes. Respect, which is the Aretha Franklin biopic, which again has been delayed incessantly, but that seemed to, seemed like it was going to be a big Oscar winner for star Jennifer Hudson. And of course, we finally made it the upcoming one of the movie that just cannot escape the delays. The next James Bond movie, the last one starring Daniel Craig, No Time to Die. At this point, I mean, here's the thing: Bond is literally the last franchise that MGM has. I know they're still holding out and seeing if theaters reopen. There was obviously a little bit of a rumor of that deal that we talked about last year with them potentially selling. I mean, at this point, like, they just got to bite the bullet and they got to sell. And it's got to be Apple TV Plus, right? They're going to be the ones that pick this up, right? Because they're the only ones that are going to be willing to shell out that type of money for, like, a Bond movie, you know? And they're probably, like, to me, the only streaming service with, like, enough prestige, which I'm putting in as big air quotes as I could possibly put. Because, again, there's nothing is prestige anymore when it comes to cinema yeah, in general. Yeah, red carpet of so, streaming services, I think. Yeah. You know, like, they're the closest you can get right now with the most class, I would say. I think they're the most carefully curated, though, and I, I do think that that speaks to an extent, when you know that everything on there is going to be a high quality. I think we saw HBO deteriorate last year slightly with shows like Run. We don't need to get down that rabbit hole too much. This is a looking oh, forward Westworld podcast. season three. Exactly. But you know what I will say is I think that this film has so much going for it that they could afford to push it back because it's Craig's you know, final hurrah. It's a franchise that's been insanely successful. It's been keeping them afloat, but the issue there also might be that it's been keeping them afloat and they haven't been able to put it out. So who knows? You know, it's exactly what it is. Either way, it's exactly what it is. Either way, I think the new cycle, the review cycle is going to be the same. It's just going to be a matter of, do we watch it on our couch or in a theater chair? That's it. Right. At this point. Yeah. And like my relationship with bond personally has never been one where it's like, look, I could care less whether I see bond on the big screen or on the small screen. It makes absolutely no difference to my enjoyment because I'm still about just as into bond as I was before, which is 50, 50, half the movies are good. <laughs> half of them are really, really bad. Sure. But, um, what's it called? But the last couple of Craig movies, the good ones, at least really, really, I enjoyed skyfall to me was one of the best movies that I saw of the last decade and no time to die. I was hoping was going to be following that because the most recent track of bond movies seem to be following the reverse star Trek rule. But with that being said, that brings us to really the end of all the movies that I'm really looking forward to in 2021. I can read off my quick top 10 list that I have after we're done talking about TV as to what I'm anticipating the most. Sure. Um, but real quick for TV, so I just wanted to run through. So this is the list of stuff that we know for a fact that we can at least count on getting this year, which is overall. So we've already got Cobra Kai, and we're about halfway through WandaVision now in Disney+. Plus. So we've got the third season of Succession. Hopefully, they are still in production, I believe, so hopefully we will get that this year. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Ozark, the first half of Season 4, because for the fourth and final season, they're splitting it into two parts. Stranger Things Season 4, which has been confirmed, not confirmed yet. Uh, the Curse, which is the Safety Brothers' new upcoming Showtime series starring Emma Stone. Barry, Season 3, Star Wars, The Bad Batch, What If, Miss Marvel, all on Disney+. Plus. The Boys, Season 3, Hawkeye on Disney+, Plus. The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+, Plus. and then just two personal ones for me, hey, Industry Season 2 and His Dark Materials the third and final season. All of those, for the most part, we're expecting. All of those, again, we're pretty standard. They're mostly just stuff that we're already going to cover on the channel, you know, as part of our annual Disney Plus sec. But the two that I'm looking forward to, again, I'm just so happy we're getting two of the biggest breakout successes, I would say, between the 18 and 19 period that were unfortunately shelved before they had a chance to really come into their own, um, what's it called, 
before they had a chance to really, really come into their own. Um, uh, that being Succession and Barry for <laughs> HBO. I would say, to me, Chris, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I would say the absence of those two shows helped contribute a lot to the overall degradation of HBO property. Because, again, the stuff that we got in its place was just not good. Again, one to me, one of my favorite shows that I got from them <laughs> was something that was so under the radar that barely anybody saw it, you know, with industry. That, to me, was, like, the best, like, okay, no, this is what HBO is capable of. Like, do you, do you agree with that? That, like, I mean, obviously it didn't help that we had no other content to go based off of, but, like, Succession and Barry were, like, shaping up to be the two new it shows to watch for the first half of this decade, and 2020 being what it was, I feel like was a large detriment to those shows, to the, both the legacy of both of those shows. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think it's one of those things where I, I think you know there's going to have to be a marketing shift now with the uncertainty of theaters going forward, where you know Netflix gets away with this because they're used to this new ecosystem so they can afford to pick up all like the stupid movies like all these random ed helm ed helms films that seem to keep coming out every week that no one even cares to even watch you know because they curate in the middle of it some really top tier high caliber for everything i hate to say i love to say about netflix that's bad they do have a lot of solid shows cannot take that away from them but i think what we really started to see with hbo this year was you're only as strong as your weakest link and they had shows like Run and Westworld Season 3. So they had a very huge sci-fi yeah. hit deteriorate in front of them. And then a show that clearly everyone ran away from. Didn't even have legs to run. Didn't even have legs to run. Yeah, you can hit all those jokes in there because they're so timely <laughs> and important just because of how bad it was. So, yeah, I, I you know, I do think that we will kind of see um, the suits be tested here if we're not getting the theaters and the constant influx because, hey, look, there could be a new strain. It could spike again. So we might get productions now that we might have to wait a bit. So they might really have to be like, okay, we can't greenlight anything anymore unless we know it's top notch. It might benefit us, but also it could hurt us if their judgment's bad. You know what I'm saying? We shall see. We shall I, see is the only thing that I have to say to so, that. And I do want to speak to that list you just shouted out. Yeah, I'm stoked for pretty much all of those, especially Barry. I miss that show so much. And yeah. I did want to add um, a few into the hat as well. Uh, yes, well, I, I have those on the list. Those are on the list that I have. Like, we, we've still got that list. So so throw them out, and then I'll match them up and see if they're on the list. But real quick, I just wanted to say to Barry, like, Barry was such a revelation and a phenomenon. Like, just for what I was expecting going into that show from the creators of Silicon Valley and where well, one of the co-creators of Silicon Valley and where Silicon Valley was at that point, I guess it just shows how much I was underestimating Bill Hader, and then he went on to have, like, a fantastic 2019. Like, and just, I never really, I always underestimated, like, kind of not only the, poten the comedic potential, but just the creative potential that that guy had because oh my god for what that show was able to accomplish and then right. for Succession to come in and for Succession to be a show that I'm not gonna lie those trailers gave me nothing to look forward to it was just like seemed like the latest Adam McKay schlock fest modern day pop culture riffs reference I'm like oh god he's doing the Murdochs now and then it, for that show to be like kind of the new it show as far as you know, kind of, kind of, in order to kind of fill the hole that Game of Thrones left, and then for that second season to go where it did, just like, ah, oh my God, I cannot wait for that show to come back. But yeah, so read off the list of shows that you have, and then I'll, and then I'll just kind of fill them in with any other shows that I have written down because I have a decent amount of new shows coming up here that did look and sound really interesting. Yeah, and you know, just uh, my last sentiment on Barry, that monologue, um, I forget her name, his, uh, his love from Sarah Goldberg. Yeah. Oh my God, man, still sticks yeah. with me. Like that show is powerful. That was just I one of those like for it to come that back. That one's like one of 
of those like least surprising moments where I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? I know, you right? Know? I mean, we knew she was talented. And it was really but good. Jeez, man. Yeah. So I, I really, that's probably my most anticipated of anything, which is why I kind of doubled back to it. Yep. But uh, Avenue really 5. Really sad we didn't get a chance to cover that on the podcast. Speaking of yeah. HBO, Avenue 5 season two. I watched that's the first season. back? That is. I thought it got canceled. No, no. There's a second season. It got greenlit during the first one. I'm, I'm like That's 100%. the spaceship one with Hugh Laurie, yeah, right? it is. And can I, I watched it. It was terrible, but it was a good kind of terrible. <laughs> I, I like, when you need to pick me up, when you're feeling bad about yourself, that's a show to put on. So I think the world needs some Avenue 5 season two. Now my jokey pick aside, Morning Show season two. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be incredible. Yes. Let's hope it, it comes. Apple's been uncertain with it. Fingers crossed. But, man, I can't wait for you to watch that first season. Like, it is incredible. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We, we've got, we've got an Apple TV show on the docket. You know, we're finally going to get in and do more of those as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, so. I'm I'm stoked for that because honestly, the bar is so high there. I think so far, at least in their short history, Halo, my favorite video game franchise I've of got all that time, on the list. has a Showtime show. We don't know when it's exactly coming. Apparently, they've been working on it for quite some time, so we're expecting it in the later half of this year. But what we are definitely getting in the later half of this year is the new Halo game. It's been five years since the last Halo game, and the last two have not been that well received. And I think the success of this game is going to dictate how large the audience for this show is on day one, a.k.a. will the video game people watch it to sort of fill the seats of maybe the regular Showtime audience who might not check out this one because it's based off a video game. And I'm sure, you know, people who go there for Shameless aren't necessarily going there for the same reasons that people who go there to watch a Halo movie are. So this is going to be a big year for the show, I think, based off of how closely it's tied to the game. You know, like with The Witcher, which we are also going to get The Witcher Season 2 this year. Yes, finally. And something else I want to say about that, you know, Cyberpunk came out and... It tanked CD Projekt Red, the game company's stocks. They are hurting right now. They were once valued the richest company in all of Poland for years because of how wow. successful the Witcher game was. The show comes out, the stock goes up even more. So I'm wondering if the Witcher is going to be able to save it. Whereas in the reverse effect, I wonder if the, you know, the poor success if the Halo game, because I don't have high standards for this Halo game. It's made by a notoriously hated game company. Imagine if Blumhouse Ouch. was taking your favorite property and investing everything in it. You don't trust that? I don't know that. that I don't know. That's hit or that's that's very hit or and miss. That's what it's gonna be. But like the bad, the bad, like the Fantasy Island outcome is what I'm expecting, as opposed to the Invisible oh, okay, Man. Got it. So like we're yeah. gonna see potentially Showtime spend all this money on this show and have it flop just because maybe the game wasn't good. Because this is it for Halo. If this game doesn't come out and if it's not amazing, they're calling it Infinite for for crying out loud. This is the game to say, well, they had a solid run in the early 2000s and they'll always be remembered for revolutionizing because they took video game physics and completely made them feel real. That's what their thing is. Like the realism of video games is from Halo. So they'll always have a piece of history. But they have not been looking too hot in the 2010s. So I think that show, unfortunately, lives and dies on the heels of the game that's now coming oh, out so before it because of COVID. Whereas I think the game would have been more successful if the show out came out first and that was a hit. So Halo's in a rough spot. And the last thing I want to nod to is What We Do in the Shadows Season 3. I'm loving that show right now. Dom, I can't. I also can't wait for you I to watch it. I can't wait to get started. I can't wait to get started. I, I have Hulu. I'm sticking with so it. There's good. too many shows on there yeah, that no, I can't. I I, 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 I'll get back but, to I it mean, at some point. I thought yeah. I loved the first movie, but you put me onto that movie, and I know for a fact you love that movie more than I ever could. Yeah, but I mean, I so. already told you the reasons why I wasn't getting to the TV show, but now that you told me that, I'm going to get it. There's yeah. a couple TV shows and that I have to hit that I'm going to have to hit for stuff that we've got coming up later you, on for the podcast. Are you excited for The Witcher season two? I'm not, but I'm going to watch it. I am. I, 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 
I didn't. I think the problem was that The Witcher kind of just came and went, and I didn't. Re there, there was just like nobody talking about it at the time. So, like I didn't really have a chance to discuss it. I wasn't sure. I I think we talked about it a little bit, but that was one of those shows I watched. I really enjoyed it while it was on. It just it just kind of came and went. And I the, for that that period of ambiguity as to whether it was going to get a second season or not went on so long that I kind of just went out of my mind. And now that like because I heard recently that they were doing a Witcher prequel now, but like I, I like I still wasn't completely sure whether season two was happening or not. So because they're based off books, best-selling books, and so there's a lot that. of material there. But I don't know. I hope they don't bite off more than they can yeah. chew with that. I didn't even like I'm the hoping, first season. I'm hoping because so. they, because that had the chance to be their version of Game of Thrones. Like before they even you know everyone else was trying to do see like oh what's going to be the next Game of Thrones and like that and had it you know like the fantasy chops were. This there, might be a know? podcast for a different day. I just don't think that that type of show can thrive on a streaming service that dumps all of their episodes out once a week uh, at once. I think that's the type I of show that needs a traditional viewing schedule. So even people were like Game of Thrones killer, Game of Thrones killer, but look how quickly it came and went from the zeitgeist. Right, but he, he, apropos of that, the only thing that I have to offer that is because just for an example, as specific as The Witcher, I preferred that having all the episodes to watch at once. Like, I feel like if that, if I had to watch that week to week, that to me, I feel like would have killed any enjoyment that I had of that show. And that would have really made it feel like a CW show. That's just my standpoint. I don't know for certain if that's the case, but um, yeah, that's just how I feel about gotcha. it. Like, I enjoyed having and, it all and there hey, to watch I'm going to throw so, it to you now because I feel like I've been talking for a bit, but I do have my final most anticipated, my most, most, most anticipated. Ooh, your most. So remind me to say that. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I'm just going to run through these next couple, but these are just all titles that when Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald were describing them on the watch, I don't have time to really go through them each individually, but I know a couple of them are based off of some comic books that I know you're a big fan of, so I'll kind of leave you to um, discuss those. So we've got, obviously, we already talked about Halo on Amazon. We've got Lo the Lord of the Rings show. Supposedly, that'll finally be happening this year. Uh, Wheel of Time, Underground Railroad. All happening there. Underground Railroad is Barry Jenkins' new project that's coming up. That seems to be like kind of in the vein of Steve McQueen's a small act series of movies that he put out on Amazon this past fall. Is that like fall. actually about uh, the Underground got, Railroad? Yes, oh, it is. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and it's going to be about Harriet Tubman. Uh, Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. You've got the Ripley show that's coming to Hulu that will be about Ripley herself. Obviously, from Anatomy Alien? of a Scandal coming up on Netflix from Alien. Oh, yep, that was announced yeah. at the Disney I didn't Investor know Day. That. Yep, from from Fargo creator Noah Hawley. So we'll see about that. Uh, no casting has been okay. announced yet. Um, Anatomy of a Scandal on Netflix, Station Eleven, and Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. T Tokyo Vice, I know, was the Michael Mann show that he talked about doing for a while. Pachinko and Severance on Apple TV Plus. Why the Last Man for Brian K. Vaughn. That adaptation will supposedly be happening this year. That'll be an FX production going directly to Hulu. Paper Girls, the other adaptation of the big Brian yes. K. Vaughn uh, comic series will be going to Amazon. Then the last the two that I wanted to shout out are The Peripheral on Amazon and The Last of Us, which HBO announced they were producing last year. We'll see if that actually comes out this year. Those are the only other ones that I had written down. And then you brought up a couple of other returning shows that I wanted to give a shout out that, to give a shout out to. There was one that I had written down before that I forgot about, and that is supposedly it has been in production for the better past part of a couple of months now, so we'll see if it's actually able to get out this year, that being the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul. We'll see if they actually finish that. If so, it'll be a send-off that has been in the making, because I finally caught up with all of Better Call Saul, and oh man, I cannot wait for that last season. That's going to be a great last season television. So what was the last thing that you wanted to give a shout-out to before we got out of oh, here? Oh, well, real quick, my top three favorite comics of all time come from Brian K. Vaughan, in the order of Why the Last Man at number three, Paper Girls at number two, and then Saga at number one. So the fact that I'm going to loan you just the first issues of both of those to read, just because I think there's like a magic in those. I never pawn books off on people. I know there's a lot of time that takes to sit down and read something, but like I'm going to have to let you borrow those too because 
I just want Got you it. to know about those before we go into it, especially Paper Girls, man. That's going to be so fun to watch. What's the network behind that? Yeah, Do you know? I, 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 uh, Paper Girls is Amazon is going to Amazon and why the last man is FX uh, and it'll be going to Hulu. But yeah, just just based on the premises alone from what I heard, I already know about what why the last man is about. Paper Girls, Chris and Andy broke down the premise, and it sounds absolutely incredible. It's so I, crazy. I, I, like, I can't wait. It goes from zero I can't to wait in like three seconds. <laughs> I cannot wait. I hope that the I hope that the shows are just half as crazy as the comics are. I'm looking forward to all of those. If you guys want to know more about all those, again, we I'll, I can make the list available at a later point in order to put those on. But so, Chris, what was your most anticipated? And then I'd say let's just break down like let's just pick ten things between the movies and TV shows that we're looking forward to the most. Um, and then we'll just uh, before we get out of here. So, what was your number one cho- most anticipated choice? Well, real quick, I did have a theory about why we might not be getting Stranger Things season four. If you look at oh, really? if you look at these kids, man, every time they appear, they just keep getting older and more mature looking. So I wonder how much footage was shot, and then they already wrote the workaround. Of, they already wrote the workaround. Oh, for okay. That. They already have it. That they already have it. That this takes place like several years after oh, the end okay. of the third season. Okay, because like the production they, got shut down, and I didn't know. Yeah. Okay, so Netflix like is just everything being else. close to the vest on that one. Yeah, ne- Netflix is being very, very close to the vest. But like I've seen like multiple production photos from like overseas Netflix stuff that like say yeah, Netflix does plan to release this this year. Yeah. So. Kim's so. Convenience, season mother yes. freaking five, dude. Season four ended on an all-time high. We're actually interviewing one of the actors Wednesday, February 17th. It's going to be amazing, guys. So, yeah, I'm just so excited and incredibly humbled to speak to an actor from arguably one of my favorite sitcoms, and we'll see how the legacy of this show goes. Shows of all time. So, yeah, of course, Kim's season five. It just keeps getting better, like a fine wine. Yes, I can't wait. I'm actually finally going to watch the show this year. Chris has been telling me about this show ever since I got out of school. So we'll see if this show holds up to my expectations uh, as far as uh, that goes. So, Chris, I'm just going to read off my most anticipated movies for the rest of 2020. 2020, And then we can just like mix and mesh them. Right now, I've got The Card Counter, Malcolm and Marie, Last Night in Soho, Luca, Green Knight, Dune, Suicide Squad, Cherry, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which doesn't have a title yet, and the Many Scenes to Newark, the Sopranos movie, as my most anticipated uh, for the rest of this year. Uh, with some quick honorable mentions being Don't Look Up, No Time to Die, um, The Night House, Come On, Come On, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Blonde. Uh, What about you? Yeah, those are all super solid. The only thing I'd really add right now is probably A Quiet Place 2 because I thought the first one was very underrated and picked on, and I thought it was pretty solid, and I understand why you pick on it, but I think you know it's the kind of movie it is, so just chill out a bit. And also The Matrix 4. I mean, I'm pretty excited for that, not going to lie. I hope it's good. It yeah, needs Matrix to be 4, good, I'm, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's good. It needs to be good after that last one. Yeah, and then for TV, uh, just off the top of my head, um, Succession, uh, Barry, um, I'll put Halo, I'll put Why the Last Man and Paper Girls on there just based off of word of mouth. Uh, I wouldn't put Halo. I'm, I'm more nervous for that than I, just because I don't want the I'm, franchise I'm, I'm to just, die. Just because I'm looking forward to it. Just I'm looking forward to it, and I want to see like a good video ad- game adaptation, and I want to see like True. what that sounds well, like. I done think right. a good Better video Call game Saul adaptation is, is going to be the Last of Us show, to be honest with you. Okay. The writing in that Got is... It novel worthy and i've never used that yeah. to ever describe but a video game La- last of us is i still have a big question mark because i don't even think they'd like cast that yet so oh, we'll, okay. we'll see gotcha. that that's the only reason why i have that i don't People know if we're getting about last it, of like us it's so like, much further like, down the yeah. pipeline yeah like like why the last man was one that i know was in development hell for a while but like they've confirmed that is shot and that will be coming this year last of us i don't know yet that's the only okay. thing um for the disney plus show yeah so i'll put what if on there i'm really looking forward to what if um, I'll put just personally for me his dark materials and in industry because those were two of my favorite shows. Um, 
uh, what's it called from last year that I'm really looking forward to seeing how those wrap up this year. And then uh, up with the boys. Uh, even though Curse sounds really good, too, because I'm looking forward to anything that the Safties do. But, uh, yeah, I'll put the boys season three for my number 10 spot. Yeah, I would just toss in there, you know, the Bad Batch, man. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Bad Batch. I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Like, and of course, much more so to the expansive elements. But, yeah, the action in those Bad Batch episodes of the last season of Clone Wars was really freaking awesome. Very, of course. So, you know. You guys get the gist. Yeah. This could be a good year, I think, is what this podcast tells me. It could be. Me. It has the potential, if just half of this stuff comes out that we've talked about on this podcast, it has the potential to be a great year. So let us know in the comment section below what are your guys' most anticipated drop. Again, movies, TV shows, books, music, video games. It doesn't matter. If it, if, if it is a media property and you think it's going to come out in the year 2021, post it in the comment section below. Let us know overall what your thoughts are. Let us know what your thoughts on our respective list and the stuff that we talked about was overall. Um, as always, click the subscribe button. Uh, if you want to help us out, uh, follow our Facebook and Instagram. If you want to keep up with and get notified of our new content that we've got out, we put out new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Smash that bell next to that subscribe button. That way you get notified every time we put up a new video on YouTube. And uh, also just click the like button because that helps us with YouTube's algorithms just in general. Chris, where can the good people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, um, the good people can find me the same place they can find us on Instagram. On Instagram, we are Talking TV Podcast, and I am. Christian Ivanko, as well as on Facebook and Twitter. So follow me, join in the conversation. I tweet about music, movies, TV, pretty much anything. I'm working on new music myself. So if you guys are excited for that, anticipating that, you want to just see what I'm capable of, that'd be a good place to sort of get acquainted with. So yeah, again, that's at Christian Ivanko and I'll link it in the description below if uh, the spelling is tough because I'm sure it probably is. And what about you, Dom? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Movie Nerd Reviews. One word. Again, I only post there casually. I'm mostly just working on stuff for Talking TV podcast. So if you want to see where I actively post, just go there. It's Talking TV, no G. It's right but, there. But when you are a screenwriter, that's going to be the place to follow when you. I, when I am a screenwriter, we shall see. Again, that, that stuff, I keep that stuff very, mm -hmm. very close to the vest. Like That is something that, again, we, we, we discuss in our oh, private I wasn't going to make so you that, that is TVD. even get close to a plot line okay, or anything. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that yet. That's still something <laughs> I just I want to focus on in my spare time. So yeah, add Movie Nerd Reviews and add Talking TV Podcast. And as always, people, thanks again for tuning in to another fantastic episode. Can't wait to see you in the new year full of content. And as always, watch more fucking movies and TV. We'll see you guys next time.